But the glory of the Lord was shining in their camp, whether day or night, a consistent reminder that God was in the center of their lives. And that's what he wants. He wants to be in the center of our lives daily as believers in Jesus Christ, that we would be led by Christ each and every day, and that we have this insurance that he is directing our lives by having him at the center of our lives whether by day or whether by night, that Christ is there in the center of our lives. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So chapter 40, coming to the very end of Exodus chapter 40. This has been about a year, as we'll see in a moment. Longer than that, but for the children of Israel, almost a year now since they have left Egypt and the book of Exodus self-covering the life of Moses. And so we're about 81 years from the time of Moses' birth until this point of Exodus chapter 40. So Exodus 40 verse 35, the key verse for me, Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So preparing to begin the Arianic priesthood, verses 1 through 16, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. Remember last week, we looked at the uh, tabernacle, Exodus 36 through 38, and we learned the dimensions of the tabernacle. 15 feet wide and uh, 45 feet long. And the Holy of Holies was 15 by 15, where the mercy seat and Ark of the Covenant were kept in the Holy of Holies. And the, the remainder of that, 30 feet by 15 feet, the holy place where the priests would minister daily. So on the first day of the month, they were to set up the tabernacle. Nearly a year now had passed since they had fled from Egypt and the bondage of slavery there in Egypt on the 14th day of the first month. And so they're going to have the tabernacle set and ready to go for Passover that was coming up in the second year. And they would celebrate the new year by erecting the tabernacle on the first day of the first month of the second year. 
So one of the commentators said of this Bible knowledge commentary, since the people arrived at Sinai three months after the Exodus, and they were at Sinai eight and one half months, part of that time, at least 80 days, Moses was on the mountain. So perhaps about six and one half months were involved with gathering the materials and constructing the tabernacle. Those months were from about mid-September to late March. So God gives detail about the instructions of concerning the tabernacle, its furnishings, the Ark of the Testimony, the table of showbread, the menorah, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, the bronze laver, and its surrounding courts. Moses was to anoint each item. Once again, the items are set apart for the service to the Lord. I've been to church dedications, and I've never seen, you know, walking through the whole building, anointing, anointing all the chairs and anointing the pulpit. But I've seen the praying over the church building and dedicating it to the Lord, of course. But here they were anointing everything, the tabernacle, the furnishings of the tabernacle, the priestly garments and the priests themselves verses 15 and 16 for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood talking about the priest throughout their generations thus moses did according to all the lord had commanded him so he did and so we find in verses chapter 40 verses 1 through 16 really laying out all the furnishings of the tabernacle the courtyard the screens and he set up the tabernacle and he worked his way from the inside out, from the Holy of Holies, put in the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, hung the curtain that divided the Holy of Holies to the holy place, set up the table of showbread on the north side, put the 12 loaves on the table of showbread, the menorah on the south side, the altar of incense there in front of the curtain before the Holy of Holies, and worked his way out from the tabernacle into the courtyard where the lavir, where the priests were to wash, and the altar of burnt offering in front of that, the courtyard itself. Everything was to be anointed. So it came to pass on the first month of the second year, verse 17, on the first day of the month that the tabernacle was raised up. That had to be quite a sight. They've been working on it maybe up to six months, putting it all together, gathering the material for quite a while, and they had it completed. It had not yet been set up, and when they set it up, they set it up in, in the command of the Lord, positioned the tabernacle with the door facing to the east. Today, if there was a temple in Israel, its door would also face to the east. But it was in the center of the camp. Once the tent was erected and it was covered with all of his coverings, Moses working his way from the innermost interior, from the Holy of Holies, into the holy place, into the courtyard, and he hung the veil on the doors. He set up the bronze altar, verse 29, and offered upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering. As the Lord had commanded Moses, apparently, even when he set up the uh, altar of incense in the tabernacle, Moses burned incense 
on the altar. So he set up the bronze altar. Moses offered an offering, a burnt offering on the bronze altar. So apparently Moses, clearly serving as priest before he anointed, anointed Aaron and his sons. So he set up the bronze laver and put water into it. There were Aaron and his sons were to wash their hands and feet before they served before the Lord. So though it was like a big bathtub, it was not a bathtub. It was a ceremonial washing. Uh, they could take a bath at home, but before they served the Lord, they washed their feet, they washed their hands. They had to. It was a matter of a death if they did not. But he raised up the courtyard. He hung its screens and its gate on the east side. And verse 33 says, So Moses finished the work. He finished the work. Hebrews 3, verses 4 through 6 says, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken of afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast with confidence, and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. I just wanted to get that from Hebrews chapter 3, talking about somebody builds a house. Every house is built by someone. That's true to this day. God has made everything. Moses was indeed faithful, the author of Hebrews said, in his generation. He was faithful. He completed that which the Lord had called him to do. Exodus 40, verse 33, he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar, hung up the screens of the courtyard, so Moses finished the work. And so really the faithfulness of Moses and the children of Israel being seen, the gifted artisans making all the things that pertain to the tabernacle and the priestly garments, bringing them to Moses, Moses inspecting them, seeing that the, it was a job well done, and then the setting up of the tabernacle itself. So Moses finished the work. Sometimes it's good to know the work that the Lord has called us to do. Sometimes we have a set period of time to get things done, to get things accomplished. Sometimes we don't know or have an end date, but to have a work to do, to raise up a tabernacle, to raise up a church, to build a, a church building, to see things accomplished. It is a very good thing indeed. And I believe that the Lord has a work for each of us to do. Sometimes it's a matter of discovering, and sometimes it, it takes a while. I had to write a resume for a class actually a seminary that I'm applying for right now, sent it off today, so it's all happening real time right now for me. But I had to kind of tell my backstory in this resume and do a cover letter and everything and just really talk about me, which I told Lily, I have a hard time talking about me. And she says, what do you mean? You do it every Sunday in the, from the pulpit. I said, well... I'm using it as an example, so I'm going to use it as an example. I wrote one of the first paragraphs 
earlier paragraphs from the ages of 17 to 27 years old, I played in a Christian band called Contender. And so I wrote in this that for those years, I felt that I had found God's calling for my life. I thought I had my life's work to be a musician in a Christian band. I thought that we would become famous. We never did. But in hindsight, I look back at that time and I see things differently. I'm still a musician. I can still use music to worship God and help lead other people into worship. But now as I look back at the ages of 17 to 27 years old, I see that the Lord was using that time as a time of preparation in my life. He was preparing me for a future work that he'd have me to do, getting me in front of people, getting me in front of people to share Christ. When I began playing music at, well, technically at like nine years old, but became, got my first bass guitar at 13 years old and playing uh, in my dad's church with my sisters. Uh, at 15, I remember doing that and playing bass in their what they they called the reflections. We were part of a gospel quartet. But um, doing all those things, a time of preparation that it was more about playing music. It got me speaking in front of people, introducing songs, sharing about Christ, and giving evangelical appeals at the concerts, and uh, seeing God do a work. Uh, one concert we played at, after the concert, I prayed with one person, and a week later, I discovered, uh, found out from the other bandmates that seven other people gave their heart to Jesus that night. I didn't even know about it. I was dealing with one person while the rest of the band was dealing with this other group of teens that was at the concert. So we were growing, we were learning, and God was putting a hunger in my life. But it wasn't the work that he would ultimately call me to. Once I got out of the band, it was a year of... For me, it was going to be a, a three-year time of waiting. And God called me within the first year, so I didn't have to wait three years. But in my mind, I said, Lord, I thought that this was it. Obviously, it's not. So what would you have me to do? And my prayer was, call me to ministry, or by the age of 30, I will assume that you would have me to be a Christian businessman and I'll start a company. And I've been running work since I was 23 years old for other contractors. And I thought, well, I could do it for myself. But Lord, call me first. Or I'll go into business and I'll just be a Christian businessman. I'll support the church and ministry. And so he gave me that call when I was 28 years old. Got out of the band when I was 27, called to the ministry at 28. But there's still learning going on. I'm still learning to this day. But knowing the call gave me confidence and has always given me confidence in the work that the Lord has called me to do. So I've never doubted the call that God placed upon my heart. And in fact, at the age of 39, right before I was called to be the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, I wasn't doing ministry. I was a foreman for a mason contractor who one day the boss, the owner, offered me dividends in the company 
He wanted me to become a partner. And I said, Klaus, I can't. The Lord called me to preach, not to be in business. I said, you live to work. I work that me and my family might live, but this is not what the Lord has called me to be. That was in the fall, and uh, that next spring, the availability, and I was talking with this church to become the pastor here. So it's good to know. Sometimes we have to wait. It was 11 years from the time the Lord called me to preach until I became the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, but to move forward. And sometimes we seem like we get in these lulls. I've described it this way before, probably from the pulpit. I've said it personally to others that to me now, as I look back at it at the age of 28, the Lord showed me like a high distant mountain. That's what I want for you. That's what I intend for your life. See that way over there? Yeah, Lord, I see it. And then immediately, like Christian in the Pilgrim's Progress, I went down deep into valleys that I could no longer see the mountaintop anymore, no longer see the destination, but continually going forward toward it. So having that confidence in Christ, in our lives, that he calls us, each one, to whatever work he might call us to. Sometimes that's discovering. Sometimes it takes time to discover. But to be faithful, as Moses was, Hebrews 3, verse 5, faithful in all his house as a servant, for the testimony of those things which would be spoken of afterwards. So the tabernacle now is... Erected, all the furnishings are in the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the, at this point, the jar of manna, the Aaron's rod. We haven't read about that budding yet. But the jar of manna, the Ten Commandments would be there. The mercy seat over the top of it, the curtain separating the holy place from the holy of holies. The altar of incense has incense burning on it. The menorah is lit. Moses lit the lamps. The table of showbread is there. And there was a sacrifice that was offered, a burnt offering there on the altar in the courtyard. And the work now being completed, verses 34 and 35. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So God's Shekinah glory cloud descended upon the tabernacle, and, and inside the tabernacle, Moses couldn't even enter the tabernacle any longer. And this same thing would happen when Solomon dedicated the temple. The priest had to get out of the temple because of the Shekinah glory cloud coming into the temple and filling the place. God's Shekinah glory was now at the center of their camp. Exodus 29, verses 43 through 46 says, And there I will meet with you, the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priest. I will dwell among the children of Israel. I will be their God. 
And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. God was in their midst. When they sinned by making the golden calf, when Moses came down from the mountain and broke the Ten Commandments, and God said, get out of my way, Moses, I'm going to destroy them all, and I'll make a people of you, Moses. And Moses said, no, you can't do that. And then the Lord said, okay, I won't do that, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses said, if you don't go, I'm not going. And here we find God is in the middle of their camp. The Shekinah glory cloud. And the cloud itself in verse 38, it tells us it became fire by night. So the tabernacle in the center of the camp and they arrange all the doors, all the different tribes. We'll learn about this largely in the book of Numbers and the setting up of the camp itself. But the tribes, three tribes on each side. So the Levites were surrounding the tabernacle. They camped around the tabernacle. And then you had three tribes to the east, three to the west, three to the north, three to the south. Some by the numbers of the tribes say that this forms a cross. We can look at that when we get to it and the numbering, because there was more to the south than to the north, possibly. But all their entryways were to face inward to the center of the camp. And so no matter when you got up in the morning, you went out, you saw the Shekinah glory cloud, you knew that God was there in the center of the camp. When you went to bed at night, you went into the tent, and the fire was glowing there in the center of the camp. You knew that the Lord was there. And I don't know how well their tents were. I know the tents that we camp with at family camp, if there's a Shekinah glory cloud fire burning out in the field, we're going to see it, even if we're in the tents. It's not going to be blocked out. But the glory of the Lord was shining in their camp whether day or night, a consistent reminder that God was in the center of their lives. And that's what he wants. He wants to be in the center of our lives daily as believers in Jesus Christ, that we would be led by Christ each and every day, and that we have this insurance that he is directing our lives by having him at the center of our lives, whether by day or whether by night, that Christ is there in the center of our lives. Ephesians 3, verses 17 through 19 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Exodus is the history of God's people during the year between their deliverance from Egypt and the erection of the tabernacle in this very last chapter there at Mount Sinai. In this book of Exodus, we've seen some beautiful pictures of Christ Jesus himself. And the glory of Christ might live to be the light of holiness in our lives. The Lord God of Israel was with his people whom he had redeemed. He was guiding them toward the promised land. And today the Lord Jesus Christ is with those who he has redeemed with his own blood. 
Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he has promised, Lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And at this time, Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for us. And he said in John 14, 3, If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will always be. And Lord Jesus, we await your return. We anticipate your coming again. We thank you, Lord, that you have gone into heaven with your Father, preparing a place for us. And when the time is perfect, Lord, you'll come again. And as the book of Revelation closes out, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly. We pray, Lord, that for those, again, who are sick and infirmed, we ask, Lord, that you would be with them. We pray, Father, that you would be with those who may not know you as Savior, or those who have not been walking in faith, or maybe those who are just searching for that direction. I pray, Lord, that you would meet them where they're at and the very needs that they have. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Mm-hmm.